0: for that wonderful all right let's take our bibles this evening and let's go to galatians all right galatians chapter 5 galatians chapter 5 as we're continuing our bible study together and uh, as of late we've been kind of stuck on this main title or main topic main phrase we found in verse number 7 when uh, paul is writing to the galatian believers when he said you did run well but who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? Meaning, they were doing so good. But something's happened. And we know that to be the Judaizers come in this area, in this region, teaching another gospel, perverting the true gospel of Christ, but was hindering these individuals, hindering these believers, hindering these churches from running their race. And of course, we've looked at different hindrances so far, but just be reminded, all right, uh, there's always going to be something or someone the devil's going to try to throw in our path to hinder us. And you remember what the, the hindrance was, right? The, at least the, the, the picture of hindering. It's like someone coming out in, in front of you. You're trying to run your race. Coming out in front of you, trying to push you back and stop you from running your race, right? There's always going to be something or someone doing just that very thing. And, of course, the devil loves to throw his distractions, loves to throw his hindrances our way. But uh, we can overcome them. We can uh, we can't overcome these hindrances and even avoid many of these hindrances that the devil would throw our, our way. And Paul tells us how we can do that. And as of late, the one we've been looking into more, more fully is this one. It's found in verse 16. To walk in the what? Spirit. spirit. Walk in the Spirit. That is how we can avoid some of these hindrances that will Hinder us from obeying the truth, walking in the Spirit. And from this phrase, we found out that walking in the Spirit is not a suggestion. Rather, it is a command from God. It's not to be debated. It is rather to be obeyed, this command to walk in the Spirit. But as we find ourselves trying to obey, trying to obey this command to walk in the Spirit, we find from time to time there will be a conflict. Why? Because there's a conflict. Between our flesh, the sinful nature we were born with, and the Holy Spirit we were sealed by. There's a conflict there. And uh, the Bible says this in verse number 17. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another. So you cannot do the things that ye would. Listen, every born again believer deals with this. All of us can have a conflict, have this struggle from time to time. We want to do what's right. We want to walk in the spirit, but there is a conflict. Even the apostle Paul himself faced this in Romans chapter 7 as he talks about that. We saw there's a command. We saw there's a conflict, but this is what we've been looking at. We've been looking at the crop of this, okay? And the crop, the crop we're looking at is the fruit of the spirit. Here's where we have been really landing and staying for some time. And I, I'm, and I appreciate you being patient with me as we go through each element, or each trait of this fruit of the Spirit, all right? and But we've looked at several thus far, and this is where we'll pick up our reading tonight, all right? Galatians chapter number 5, and let's look at verse number 22 as we're considering walking in the Spirit. The Bible says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Our Father, again, as we consider this wonderful, wonderful truth, this wonderful phrase of walking in the Spirit and seeing the wonderful fruit from it all, the fruit of the Spirit, I pray to help us to examine ourselves and see if we are doing just that, walking in the Spirit and having this fruit fruit flow from from our lives. We love you. Thanks for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So from the fruit of the Spirit, the first cluster here or the first element or trait of this fruit we came across was that of love. Be reminded again, I'm going to remind you every time just so you know, but be reminded once again that all the other elements of the fruit of the Spirit really are an outgrowth of the fruit of love because everything flows from the deep, rich, fertile soil, fertile ground of God's great love. And remember, this love is not the fleshly love the world portrays rather it's a godly love that the Lord gives Uh, remember it's a holy love, it's a sacrificial love, a godly love selfless love, it's a one way love expecting nothing in return, it's the highest form of love anyone could ever give or receive it's God's love for you and me it's that agape love we have talked uh, talked about, any child of God that walks in the spirit lives by the spirit will have this as a Outflow or fruit Part of that fruit of the spirit Come from their very lives This will be seen It will be part of it And then we saw this We saw joy Now remember Joy is not the exact same thing As happiness They're on the exact same level They're not exclusively different But they're definitely not Entirely the same Happiness is based on happenings. It's based on the circumstances of life that surround us. If you had a good day at work, you're probably pretty happy today, all right? If you're getting along with with your spouse and your kids and even your mother-in-law, you're probably pretty happy, all right? Why? Because it's based on things around you. But joy is different. Joy has a different foundation. You see, the foundation for our joy is Christ Jesus, our Lord. And since he does not change, then we can truly have real joy, true joy evermore. And we'll have that as we walk in the Spirit. Then we've seen there was this one, peace. And peace is something that everyone craves in their lives, yet it seems many are missing. Why? Even believers are missing this. Why? (sighs) Trying to find it in every other avenue and element of life other than the God of peace. What did Jesus say? Jesus said in John 16, verse 33, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. People try to find peace in all the world has to offer. but All they find is tribulation, pain, distraction, and discomfort. That's where they'll find all that is in the world. But in me, Jesus said, you'll have peace. So where is your peace found? Well, it's found in the God of peace, the Prince of Peace, the Lord himself. And every born-again believer that walks in the Spirit will be experiencing the precious peace of God in their life. Then we saw long-suffering. And be reminded what this means. Long-suffering means to suffer long. means to endure. It would be one who exhibits constancy. Not consistency, but constancy. Meaning someone who is constant, to be unmovable. It's somebody who's steadfast and to persevere. This is what it means to long-suffer, to suffer long. And listen, any, again, believer who will be walking in the Spirit, will render this characteristic in their life. It's more than just patience. It's even greater than that. That'll be the believer who walks in the Spirit. Then last time, we saw this one. We took a look, uh, a deep look, deeper look into gentleness. And uh, some people get that, again, a little wrong when they think of somebody being gentle. Uh, somebody who's gentle may get the idea of being soft or being a pushover or wimpy. But that is not the case at all. And the individual that we looked at to prove that point or really to illustrate that point was King David, remember? He was a man of war. Uh, This guy, he knew how to fight. He was no wimp whatsoever, but yet he was kind. He showed the kindness of God to a certain individual by the name of Mephibosheth. Remember him? He showed the kindness of God to him when he didn't have to. And that's what true kindness is. True kindness is when you show that kindness when it's in your power not to. That's what true kindness is. And in today, and we'll look at this one. As we move forward in the elements of the fruit of the Spirit, number six. The element number six is goodness. All right? Goodness. Now, what is goodness? What does this word mean? goodness mean we know it comes from the word good but what does what does that mean what does good mean Uh, many times we use the word good in the context of our daily speech and activity Uh, we'll say you know such as this uh, I had a good lunch today you know anybody have a good lunch today Anybody eat lunch today? One of you? Okay. All right. You so say, I had a good lunch or maybe a good breakfast. I don't know. But looking forward to a good supper. But we use that word along those lines. We'll say, you know, I'm so proud of my kid. They got good grades. You know, they're keeping above sea level finally. They're not drowning. Amen. I'm proud of them. They got good grades. Or, or we'll say, you know, we, we just had a, a good time at this meeting or had a good day here on vacation or whatever, you know. And sometimes folks will use that same word and they'll say, you know, that individual over there, that fella, that's a good man. That's a good man. Or they'll look at a lady and say, that, that's, just, that's just a good woman. She's a good lady. That, that person is just a good, a good person. We say things like that every single day. Uh, we do. But what does it mean? What does it mean? Well, in the context of saying that's a good person or in the context of saying that was a good meal, in those context contextual settings when we're saying that we're saying these things are positive and desirable in that experience that i've had with that food or with that day or with that individual or that person was helpful and it had a positive impact in my life that's what we mean by the word good in that context right but what does it mean here with the word good or goodness in galatians chapter five and verse 22 is it simply implying that we are to be positive and to have positive experiences that mean that's fruit of the spirit with goodness just having positive experiences all the time and and since we're having positive experiences all the time be chipper all the time well i dare say that for the believer every experience is not so good right not every experience it can be worked out for good no doubt but not every time does it feel very good And it's not saying you need to be chipper and positive all the time. But it's also not saying you need to be negative and pessimistic and uh, the Eeyore Christianity all the time either. All right? Um, Nobody wants to be around that, just just so you all know, okay? Uh, But it's not necessarily meaning that. So what does it mean? What does goodness mean? What does the trait of this fruit of the Spirit, goodness, mean? It means this. It is uprightness of heart life. It is that which is characteristically good in itself, and because of that, it will be beneficial in its effect or outgrowth or outflow. So goodness would be this. It's a character trait, meaning it'd be, be part of who you are. You know, a character trait, uh, you know what they are, like um, someone who has, um, let's say, someone who uh, has integrity That would be part of their character, right? Character trait. Uh, Someone who is uh, loyal, that would be a good character trait, right? Someone who is honest, be a good character trait, that that type of thing. So we're talking about the character of individuals. So goodness is someone who is a stand-up person, who is upright in heart and life. And it would be someone who, listen, it's just, that's just a good dude. That's just a good individual. That's a respectable person. And it's seen. And as we think of this, or at least I do, all right, as we think of this trait of the goodness, the fruit, when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, the goodness, that trait, when uh, we think of someone who exhibits goodness, someone who is just a good man or a good woman, uh, when you think of a character in Scripture and you think of, man, that, that was just a, that's just a good person right there. Who comes to mind? Someone tell me. Who comes to mind? Just, just go ahead and tell me. Nobody, can't think of any good person in scripture. Okay, Mm, I heard one. Joseph, I would say yeah, absolutely. There's actually not anything negative said about Joseph, so I think it'd be pretty uh, um, safe to say, uh, hey, pretty good dude. Anybody else? John the Baptist, all right, anybody else? Job, heard one over here. Barnabas, all right, anybody else? Daniel, sure, look. All kind of characters in scripture we can think of. But the one I was thinking of earlier, as I'm thinking of this fruit of the spirit with goodness, is Barnabas. Uh, Barnabas. Barnabas was known for what? His nickname, of course, was Barnabas, but he's known for what? He was the encourager. He was the encourager. That was his nickname. This is what he was known for. And as I was thinking about Barnabas and his nickname again today and, and thinking of his, him encouraging people, man, I don't know about you, but I would love to be known as that. I think it's a good trait to have in your life, be someone, man, you're just such an encourager, I want you to know thank you. I like being around encouragers. I do, and I want to be one myself. But as I was thinking of him, I'm like, man, I want to be that kind of person. Lord, help me be more like this fella, Barnabas. But did you know that the Bible says... About Barnabas, it says this about him in Acts 11, verse 24. For he, again, that's Barnabas, was a good man. The Bible gives him that testimony. The Lord gives him that testimony. But how was he good? Why was he good? Why would the Bible say he was a good man? Why would the Holy Spirit, uh, through the pen of Dr. Luke, as he's writing Acts, say Barnabas was, was a good man? Was it because he preached the gospel? Was it because he went on many missionary trips? Was it just because, well, he's just a positive fellow and encouraged everybody that he came in contact with? Was that why he was good? Well, not exactly, exactly that reason. I think there's a couple of reasons we can look at quickly this evening of what really made him a good man. Number one, the source of his goodness. All right, now, before we go on here, some may be thinking, Pastor, you're talking about a, a good man, you're talking about people can be good people. But doesn't the Bible say that there is actually none good? No, not one? And didn't Jesus say in Mark 10, verse 18, Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Romans 3 12, there is none that doeth good, no not one. Uh, wouldn't there be you know no good people? Well, yes, the Bible says Makes it plain in those contexts, those scriptures that I quoted in the context is talking about really our good works in accordance to salvation, right? And of course, we know there's no one good enough to gain salvation. There's no one good enough, no good works that we could do, not even enough of them that all of our life to gain us access into heaven. But when it talks about the goodness as part of the fruit of the spirit, it's not speaking of our goodness, all right? Uh, not talking about our goodness but rather it's really God's goodness flowing through us uh, because remember as we think and talk about the fruit of the spirit as it's in here in Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 this fruit is really revealing to us the true nature of God so these traits that are listed are a fruit uh, as a fruit of the spirit they're part of really part of God's nature who he is and God is good. God is good. So any goodness that may flow out of our lives, it's all because of God in us. And the same goes for Barnabas. Barnabas, it was true in his life as he's a good man that it was because of this. Listen, Acts 11 verse 24, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people was added unto the lord but that's why he's a good man that was that's why he was a good man you see because of the goodness that flowed from his life because he's full of the holy spirit of god that's why the goodness flew out of his life or flowed from his life because of the holy spirit who lived in his life as he walked in the spirit so any good thing that comes out of our lives is going to be because of the holy spirit that lives within us John chapter fourteen verse seventeen. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you, Jesus speaking to his disciples, talking about how the Holy Spirit will come, and that day did come on the day of Pentecost, right? And it dwelled, the Holy Spirit dwelled in those believers, and ever since then dwells in the believers today. Romans eight eleven. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead, dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. 1 Corinthians three sixteen. Know ye not that you're the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. Constantly he dwells, he stays, abides in you. You cannot lose him. Second Timothy 1:14, "That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost, which dwelleth in us. Understand, every believer has the Holy Spirit of God abiding, dwelling, living inside of them. So what's the source of any goodness from any believer, including Barnabas himself, what is the source of it? Where does it come from? The Holy Spirit of God. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory, Colossians 1 27. He's the source of all goodness, and since He's the source, and listen, He's the one that gets all the credit. We can't take any glory for ourselves. No, all glory belongs to Him. You see, in and of ourselves, we can't be good as we ought to. Why? Because we may do something good for an ulterior motive, but if we're doing it for the Lord, there is no ulterior motive. That's true goodness that's true goodness. Where does it come from? It comes from the Lord. Not from our flesh, not from our conjuring things up. No, no, no. It flows as part of the fruit of the Spirit. So that's the source of it. Then take note of this quickly. Not only the source of the goodness, but in this description of goodness, please know it will be, true goodness will be, it will be seen, right? And again, this is part of the definition I said, the definition, be reminded, is this, is that which is characteristically good in itself and because of that characteristic, it will be beneficial in its effect. Meaning the goodness of God, going back to Barnabas here, being a good man, the goodness of God that benefited Barnabas, uh, the goodness of God in his life flew, uh, would flow out of his, of, of his life again as he walked in the Spirit, was full of the Holy Spirit to benefit others. Again, the same for us. The goodness of God that we've experienced and benefited from will flow out of us to help others as we walk in the Spirit. So this trait of goodness cannot be bottled up. It cannot just be kept to ourselves. No, no, no. It will be used for the benefit of others. It will be seen. It will be seen. Again, case in point, Barnabas. Uh, Him being a good man... Was easily seen. Do you remember? Do you remember Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul? Do you remember what his name was before it was Paul? Starts with the S. Rhymes with Paul. Saul. All right. Saul. Saul of what? Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus. And now we, he he's known by many things in Scripture. He was known as he even gave his credentials in uh, as he's writing to Philippians. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisee. He was a leader among the Jews. He was a, a pupil even of Gamaliel, sat at his feet. He was a, a Roman citizen by birth. So he had the best of both worlds living in that area of the world at that time. He, he, would had, he had more privilege and more, more opportunity and more influence than many people living at that time. He was no doubt known for these things and of course more, but... One of the greatest things he was known as before he got saved was a horrendous persecutor of the church. He persecuted the church uh, horribly. The Bible says this in Acts 8, verse 1 through 3. And Saul was consenting unto his death, meaning Stephen, who was just stoned in chapter 4. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. They're all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. The apostles stayed there. Everybody scattered around. And the devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. But as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering the every house, hauling men and women, committing them to prison. The word havoc here means to treat shamefully with injury, to ravage, to devastate, to ruin. That's what he was doing or trying to do to the church. This is what he was known for. That's what they knew Saul of Tarshish to be, that kind of individual. But after he had an encounter with the risen Savior on the road to Damascus, it changed his life forever when he was born again. And God, uh, the Lord Jesus commissioned him to be the apostle to the Gentiles. After becoming a believer, he wanted to do the next logical thing. And that was what? Join himself to the disciples. He wanted to join the church. That was the next logical thing for any believer to do. All right. Is to go join himself to the local church there in Jerusalem. That's what he wanted to do. And the Bible says this in Acts nine twenty six. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem. He essayed or he attempted to join himself to the disciples. But they were all afraid of him. And believed not that he was a disciple. So. Saul's reputation preceded him They knew what he had done They knew how he'd hauled people Men and women off to prison He knew how he had them killed They even knew he was there at the stoning of Stephen He was the one that held the very coats As uh, consenting unto his death He was there, they knew this So in their minds, you can't blame them But in their minds, they thought this was a trick And if we were there, we'd probably think the exact same thing So don't give the disciples too hard of a time Alright But can you imagine, I thought, I thought about this earlier today As I was thinking about this moment, can you imagine being one of the disciples there in Jerusalem and Paul, the Apostle Paul was coming wanting to join your your church and be part of your your fellowship of believers. And you're like, uh-uh, no, 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 back up, go away. We don't want you here. Can you imagine almost missing out on the Apostle Paul ministering with you, preaching with you, teaching with you, helping you? Can you imagine almost missing out? Because they almost did, had it not been for one good man. Listen to what the Bible says. In Acts 9, verse 27 to 31, very next verse, when he tried to come and join himself to the disciples, they, they, they they wouldn't let him come in. The Bible says this, but Barnabas took him. But Barnabas took him that word took there there is as in taking possession of or, or laying hold of. It's almost like I picture this in my mind and, and he's, maybe he's walking out of the house where the disciples are meeting. He's trying to join them, himself to them and they're like, no, 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 go away. This is not for you. Uh, we, don't, we, don't, we don't believe, we don't trust you. And maybe Barnabas was at the door or maybe he's outside the door, saw Paul coming out. He lays hold of him. He puts his arm around him. and said, no, 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 come on, man, I got you walks in the same doors with those men and declares this, the Bible says this and declares brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how that how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken unto him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus and he was with with them coming in and going out at Jerusalem he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians but they went about to slay him which when the brethren knew they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus, then had the church's rest throughout Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and were edified, walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Ghost, they're multiplying. Uh, listen, this is what Barnabas did. He laid hold of him, put his arm around him and walked him back in there with those disciples, and said, "No, no, no, let me tell you how God has changed his life and this good man. Had it not been for this good man Barnabas being full of the Holy Spirit, walking in the Spirit and showing the goodness of God to this man and to the rest of them, had it not been for him, where would Paul had ended up? What would have happened? Now, all we can do is speculate. We don't know. The Bible's silent, obviously, for obvious reasons. But all I'm saying is this. I'm glad for a good man showing the kindness and goodness of God to this man Paul who has penned the majority of the New Testament, which we preach, read, and obey, and learn, had it not been for that, imagine. Had it not been for Barnabas, just imagine. Just imagine. This good man. Not only did it help Paul, but we can see later on that it helped the Christians in Antioch, before it was there in Acts chapter 11, many Gentiles are being saved. Revival is breaking out in the church at Jerusalem. Well, they were just a little leery of it. Why? Because the church at Jerusalem, they were all Jews, right? Majority, vast majority. That was a Jewish church. Now Gentiles are getting saved and churches planted in other areas and beginning. I don't know about that. We, we've got to send somebody to check on them. Who are we going to send to go check on these people and see if it's actually real? Oh, I know, I know a good man that we can send. Send Barnabas. The Bible says in Acts eleven nineteen. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some, some of them uh, and some. I get tongue tied. I'm sorry. All right, and some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch spake unto the Grecians. Preaching the, word, the preaching Lord Jesus, and the hand of the Lord was on them, and great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church which were in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all, they with purpose of heart, that they would cleave to the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarshish for to seek Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. And then you can see later on it would be Barnabas that would take the, the uh, scared Mark, right? John Mark. Uh, he, he he fled one day from from uh, the mission field, and Paul he'd had enough of that; didn't want to put up with that. But Barnabas, what did he do? Well, he encouraged him to come back and used him. That's just how he was. He was a good man. But why was he a good man? And why was it seen? It goes all the way back to the source. It's not he's not a good man because well that's just who he is. No, no, he was good because the Holy Spirit of God that lived in him. It, he was good because of Christ in him, the hope of glory. That's why, that's why he was good. So this description and, and definitions, we're talking about goodness here, uh, gotten a little wordy, I know, as we consider this, this trait, but what I'm trying to say is this. When it comes, just remember, when it comes to the goodness here, it is someone who is upright and hard in life. And this goodness is, is an a identifiable character trait in a believer's life that flows from the Lord as we walk in the Spirit. So let me ask you a question this evening. We'll be done. Would someone characterize you as, that's a, that's a good man. Or that lady, she is, she is a precious, good lady. Well, if they can characterize you as that, it listens because it's the Lord. As a believer, you're walking in the Spirit. That's who gets the glory. That's the source of it all. So, how would they characterize you this evening as we consider this character trait, or this trait, rather, of the fruit of the spirit of goodness? Barnabas was a good man, all because he served a good God and allowed the Lord to use him, full of the Holy Spirit of God. God help us be those kind of people. Follow the Holy Spirit.